Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher. I'm at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, I trust you and your family are doing well. And we are on the subject of God's grace and man's faith. So we're talking about grace right now. Then we shall go on to the subject of faith. Now, um, here's one question, you know, and this is in the Bible. A lot of people ask these days, is grace, God's grace, a license for sin or can we live under grace and uh, at the same time live in sin? Well, Romans, the sixth chapter gives us a very, very clear answer to this question. And uh, so this question shouldn't really exist. This is what Romans 6 says, and I'm reading to you from verse 1 to 14. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, because in, you know, in chapter 3, he talks about uh, righteousness by grace instead of by the law. Then, you know, he, he, he goes on and expounds on the subject of the grace of God. Then he talks in chapter 5, he talks about reigning in life through Jesus Christ. And now, this is what he says in verse 1. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Valid question. And I'm sure people were asking Paul this same question that, hey, we are under grace. So because, you know, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace must much abound because this is one of the things he quoted. You know, he said, he said, well, where sin abounds, grace must abound. So does that mean so that we should sin and just uh, live the way we want to live in the flesh, do what we like to do so that grace may abound. Because, of course, if sin abounds, grace may abound. And so this is what he says in verse 2. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, grace is also being dead to sin. Because when you see the very essence of grace is that grace has been given to us through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. And when we make Jesus our Lord, we identify ourselves with him. And so, you know, Paul said in Galatians 2, 19, 20, he says, through the law, I'm dead to the law that I may, might live unto God. And then he says, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. And that's identif identification that uh, it's not just Jesus has died for me, but when Jesus died, I also died. So what he's saying is that when Jesus died upon the cross, I died with him. But when I died with him, I also died to sin. So to be born again, to be a recipient of the grace of God also means that I count myself as dead to sin. Because I cannot say I'm under grace, but I'm alive to sin. If you're alive to sin, you're not under grace. You're not even saved because... To, and that's that's the truth. I mean, if you if you are alive to sin and so that you, you know, you just do what you like, to, then then I would question whether you're really, really saved because a person who is truly saved, he identifies himself with the death of Jesus. And he says, when Jesus died, I died with him. When he rose again, I rose with him. So when Jesus died, I died to sin. When he rose again, I rose again. I rose up from the dead with him. And when Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. I'm seated together with him at the right hand of the Father as an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So all that is part of one package, but it begins with being dead in Christ and being dead to sin. So he says that, how can we sin then? Because we are dead to sin. And how can we live in sin anymore? Then verse three says, don't you know 
that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. So when we were baptized into Christ, we were actually baptized into his death. You see, water baptism isn't just a ritual. It's not just going under the water and fulfilling a ritual. No, when Jesus died, that is being dead and being buried with him. So when, when I was water baptized, I took part in, in the burial of Jesus, like Jesus was put into the tomb. So I died. I was buried with him. Hallelujah. I died with him. I was baptized into his death. So we identify ourselves with the death of Jesus. Then in verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So what he's saying, what he's basically saying that we can't live in sin when we are under grace so that grace may abound. We can't. How can we? Because when Jesus died, we died with him and we were buried with him into his death. And when he rose again, we were also raised together with him. Why? So that we may walk in the newness of life. So that we don't walk in the old flesh, in the old way of sin that we had before we, were, before we came to Jesus. But we walk in this newness of life. And so we identify ourselves with Christ, not only in his death, but also in his resurrection. And then it says, let's look at, uh, this is really, really, I mean, I love this. This is exciting. So listen to me, verse five. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of, of his resurrection. So because we died with Christ, we are also with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed and hence that henceforth we should not serve sin. So when Jesus was on the cross, my old man, that is the old um, Christopher Alam or Muhammad Alam, that was my name, Muhammad Abdul Nasir Muhammad Alam. We were, I was crucified with Christ. And so I am risen together with him in the likeness of his resurrection. And um, so that so that the body of sin is destroyed so that henceforth I should not serve sin. That is the whole purpose of coming to Jesus and dying with him, rising with him from the dead so that I should no longer serve sin. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no dominion over him. For in that he died, <coughs> he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Hallelujah. So uh, with Jesus, I died unto sin. And in the resurrection of Jesus, I was also raised together with him. Amen. So then it says here, verse 11. So likewise reckon or count ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what he's saying is that in the same way, we, it's a commandment, it's an exhortation, instruction to us, says count yourself also as dead to sin through Jesus and alive to God through Christ. So that means that, see, the whole, that part, or I should see, I should say it this way, a major part of being a recipient of the grace of God and living under the grace of God is this whole thing that I count myself because I am under grace. 
through the power of their grace, I count myself as dead to sin because I died to sin and the devil has no more hold over me anymore. Whatever bondage he had kept me in, that bondage is broken. I count myself as not being under the power of the devil anymore. The devil has been defeated. His power has been destroyed. So I'm no longer under him anymore, but I am risen together with Christ. So I'm living unto God. So living in grace is actually living wholeheartedly for God. Hallelujah. Then it says here, uh, so this is about the power of grace bringing holiness. So grace is such a powerful thing that it actually brings purity and holiness in our lives. So, you know, some people talk about, well, you know, people say they're under grace, so now they can do anything like, listen, that is nonsense. That, the Bible doesn't teach that. So the Bible doesn't teach that. And if anyone says that, well, you know, you shouldn't preach on grace because if you preach on grace, people do all these things. That is nonsense. Grace is about holiness. Grace brings holiness into our, into our life. The power of grace brings the power of holiness in our lives. Okay. Then it says verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So I who am under grace, who have been a recipient of the grace of God, as I read to you from, from Romans chapter 5, he, you know, he says we have received an abundance of grace and this wonderful abundant grace and the mercy and this wonderful life that I have received from God. Because I have received this life, what I have is that I have uh, the power not to let sin reign in my mortal body. And I have the power not to obey the lusts of sin. Of course, if I allow sin to reign in my mortal body, if I give it permission, then I can begin to yield to the lusts. But then, that, but that's my own fault. That's my own choice. So, you know, there are certain areas where we have choices. And so that's why this is one choice we have to let sin rule in our mortal body or not to let sin rule in our mortal body. And I choose not to. I choose not to let sin rule in my in, in my mortal body and not to obey the, the the drives of lust that go with it. I choose not to obey God. Then it says, <coughs> verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members of instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not, not under the law, but under grace. Now, this is interesting. What he's saying is that we should not yield or surrender uh, uh, our, our bodies, you know, the parts of our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness into sin. We should not, we should not yield our, ourselves to sin, but we should yield ourselves to God because we have been raised from the dead with Christ. Which I choose to yield myself to God. And so whenever I'm faced with a choice, yield myself to sin or yield myself to God, I choose to yield myself to God. Amen. And, uh, and my members, the members of my body as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it's not, you see, it's not just a, 
just a spiritual or mental thing. It's also a physical thing because I have this body. I can do with it what I like. I mean, Satan can send thoughts into my mind, but I have a choice to obey them or not. I mean, fornication, adultery, these things, they are choices. They are choices. And that's what he's saying is that do not yield your body to sin. Just make a decision. This body is mine. It's a temple of the Holy Ghost. And I am crucified and risen with Christ. And my body is under the control of my spirit and my mind. And I choose not to yield my body to sin, but I choose to yield it to God as an instrument of righteousness. Then it says, why? For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not rule over you. And why shouldn't sin rule over you? Because you're not under law, but under grace. So that means that when you are under the law, sin does have the power to rule over your body and it can run you ragged. But when you're under grace, you have the power to choose whether to let sin rule in your body or not. So he says, because you are under grace, sin doesn't have the power to run you around and to rule your body. You rule your body. Amen. So it's good that we are aware of these things that we don't look ourselves. Well, I'm saved, but I'm a victim. The devil made me do this. The devil, the devil doesn't have to have the power to make you do anything because the one the Bible says you are of God, little children. First John 4, 4, you are of God, little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So the greater one lives in you and Satan doesn't have the power to run you around and tell you what to do, but you have power over your own, own body. It is your body is given to you by God as a temple and you have the power to yield it as an instrument of righteousness instead of yielding it as an instrument of Satan. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, 11 to 13. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Hallelujah. All men. Doesn't matter what color, what race, what nationality they are, what language they speak, whether they're rich or poor, illiterate or educated, it says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us, and this is what this grace teaches us. Listen, this is what grace is teaching us, okay? That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what it says here, basically, listen, that the grace of God, which has appeared to all men, this grace that appeared to me, that has appeared to you, it has been given to all men. This grace actually teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and deny worldly lust. That means if they come your way, believe me, Everybody is tempted. Even Jesus himself was tempted when he walked on this earth. But the secret is that you see the key isn't that you'll never be tempted. You'll never come to a place in your life where you're never tempted. I can tell you this right down. You and I will always be tempted. But the grace of God teaches us that we should deny those temptations. We should deny ungodliness and deny worldly lust. We should live soberly. That means with a, with a clear mind and righteously and godly in this present age, we should turn our eyes towards godliness, towards seeking God. Because you see, it becomes easy. Listen, 
living godly and righteously becomes easy uh, if you do certain things. Firstly, stay in the word of God. Secondly, live in prayer. And very important, live within the body of Christ. Choose who you're going to be with. I mean, I choose to be around godly people because when I see godly people, I see the quality of their lives. I want what they have. So now, if I hang out with ungodly people, if I hang out with drunkards and fornicators and adulterers, you know what I'll be doing? I'll be doing what they do because I allow them to influence my life. But I deny my flesh that kind of influence from outside and I want to subject myself to get good influence. Now, that is your choice. Uh, nobody can force you to do that, you know. Uh, and that is the main reason people fail, people fall. They give their lives to Jesus, but they don't change their company. They keep on hanging out with adulterers and fornicators and they end up becoming that way. So it is very important who you hang out with, who has your ears, who has your heart, who has your eyes. Very, very important. So spend time in the word, spend time in the prayer, be uh, in prayer, be choosy with your friends, be in church, seek out the fellowship and, 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 and uh, uh, time with godly people. Then be careful where you go. If you know, if you have problems in the sexual area, don't go to nightclubs and strip joints and hang out with women. Hang, don't hang out with people of the opposite sex. You've got to, you see, let me just say this way. Religion puts legalistic boundaries on your conduct. But Christian maturity and just Christian wisdom and smartness, you set your own boundaries. I have my own boundaries. Look, I know what kind of life I used to live before I got saved. So I know what are the things that tempt me and what are the things that don't tempt me? I know what are the things that the devil can use to make me fall and what are the things that that wouldn't face me. And those things that I knew that the devil can use to get me, I don't even go close to those things. I draw my boundary. It is not legalism. Nobody has told me, but I, because I'm wise, I got a brain here and God-given brain, and I know my own weaknesses. A wise person, a mature Christian knows his own weaknesses. I know my weaknesses, and after 45 years as a Christian, I don't go there. There are certain things I just won't touch. So that is wisdom. So that's another thing you can do. If you want to keep yourself holy, stay in the Word, stay in prayer, choose your company. That's why I, I prefer to spend time with God's people and in church. And, uh, and, 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 and then uh, I choose where I go, what I do, all these things. You have to make these choices. And if you do that, that's, that's when, because of the grace of God in your life, you'll be denying ungodliness and denying worldly lusts. And you, should, you would end up living soberly, righteously, and godly. Amen. So <coughs> grace teaches us purity and holiness. Now, let's, this is something, an interesting thought about the law. Uh, let me read to you from 1 Timothy 1, 9 to, uh, 1, 1 Timothy 9, from verse 9. It says, the law, uh, the, uh, verse 9 to 11, the law is not made for righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedience, for the ungodly and sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers and fathers, murderers of mother, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves in mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, 
if there be anything that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. So now this is very interesting. What he's basically saying is this. Uh, this, this, and this and there's some other scriptures that say this. That you see, if you abuse grace to, for the, to fulfill your lust, if you say, well, I'm under grace and when Jesus died on the cross, he bore all my sins, past, present and future. So all my future sins are also forgiven. I'm totally forgiven. I've been made righteous and there's no condemnation on me. So now I can do whatever I like. I can sleep with whoever I like. I can do those things. Now, what the Bible says is this. If you abuse grace and you begin to do, and I'm saying this because there's people who do that, who, 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 uh, who, who say I'm under grace and because I'm under grace, because my sins are already forgiven, I can do what I like. And they're partying and carousing and doing these things. What happens the moment you do that, you come out of grace and put yourself under the law. That's what it says. Because the law is not made for righteous men, but it's for the lawless and disobedient. So that means that you can't deceive the grace of God. So if you say, I'm under the grace of God, I'm forgiven, I'm made righteous, and there's no condemnation, I'm saved, and hallelujah, that's great. So now I can sleep around, I can get drunk, I can do all these things, because all those to forbid me from doing all those things was legalistic. Now I'm no more under the law, I can do what, what I like. Now, when you begin to do that, the moment you do that, you move out of grace and you put yourself direct, directly under the law because the law is made for people who do those things. And when you put yourself under the law, you come under the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is poverty, sin, and death. So you got to remember that. Now, let me just end with saying this. Some people say, I, I know, you know, people uh, who talk against teaching on grace, this is what they say. They say, well, I know people who say they're under grace and they live in sin. And that's a legitimate people. I've had pastors tell me that uh, I've had people who come from this church and, and they teach heavy grace and they, and they come to my church and often it's their wives coming saying my husband was a good man and now he believes he's under the grace of God. So he comes home drunk, sleeps with prostitutes, he gambles. I've heard such stories. Now, what do you say to that? Well, all I would say to this, that you see, I'm not responsible for how others live their lives. You are not responsible for how others live their lives. I'm responsible that I live my life in the fear and the reverence of God, that I walk, walk a holy walk. As far as I'm concerned, I am just, uh, uh, you know, people talk about greasy grace and I know, you know, listen, People can use any doctrine in the Bible to do what they want, you know. I mean, people have used the Bible to kill people. Uh, if you look at a thousand years ago, we had the Crusades and there were those, um, you know, those European, uh, the Knights Templar, those Catholic Knights, you know. What they did, they, they took to the sword, they used scriptures to go and kill Muslims and Jews. I mean, that doesn't make it right. Through the history of the church, you have had people who have perverted the scriptures to do a lot of wrong things. But I'm not responsible for them. You're not responsible for them. You and I are responsible for how we walk. And I am so grateful that I don't have to keep the law of Moses to please God, but that Jesus died for me upon the cross and he paid the price for me upon the cross of Calvary. I'm so 
grateful for the amazing grace of the Father and that after he died for me upon the cross and rose from the dead, he says that he who, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, he says, he who did not spare his only son but gave him up for us all, how much more won't he give us all things with him? And then I'm grateful that God is so good to me, he keeps on giving and giving and giving and giving. And I'm also grateful for the work of his grace in my life, that his grace causes me to seek him. His grace causes me to be, want to be more like Jesus. And because of his grace, if I ever slip up, if I ever make a mistake, you know, the first thing I do, I run straight to Jesus and I say, Jesus, I messed up, please just forgive me. I do that. So that's how I live and that's how you should live. And, uh, but what other people do, how they misuse scripture, don't worry about them. I mean, they, uh, see, other people are answer, answerable to God for what they, what they do. You and I are answerable to God for our own work. That's all I can say. And I mean, I, as a minister of the gospel, I can teach people, I can preach to people, and then it's up to them whether they listen to me or not. And same with you and I. We can talk to our friends whether they listen or not. That's up to them. But the one thing we are responsible to, to God for is how you walk your walk and how I walk my walk. And I am so grateful because you know what? I tried to be a Christian living under legalistic requirement. And the more I tried to please God, the more horrible it was, the more miserable I felt because I was always falling short. But then one day I realized that Jesus loves me and that he paid the price for me and that he died for me that I don't have to live under condemnation. I don't have to live under rejection anymore because I am not rejected. I am accepted by God just as I am. And this is the wonderful grace of God and that the Father, he loves me and that, and that I have an open heaven and I have the favor and the blessing of God upon my life, not because of my conduct, but because of what Jesus did for me. So anything good, I receive from God and it's not just anything good but I'm talking about the abundance and the abundance of grace we have received to Jesus and the Bible says of his fullness have we received and grace upon grace all this I have received from God and I continue to receive not because of my conduct or my works but because of his goodness and his grace and I want to stay in that place and you want to stay in that place and by grace, let God's grace shine upon you. And what other two people, other people do with their lives, how they misuse the word of God, you don't worry about that. Let God deal with them. Amen. So we'll, we'll go to, tomorrow. We'll talk, we're going to talk about living in God's grace. So we'll continue with the subject. And if you have any questions, please feel free to write to me. Give me a short message. I'll try to answer your questions. But right now, I must say goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow. And let's pray together. Father God, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the price that our Lord Jesus prayed for us, that he bore our sins, carried our diseases upon his own self. And by his stripes we are healed. I ask you, Father, to touch all my brothers and sisters, touch their homes and their families. Bless them, Father. Let your mercies abound in them and let them continue to bear much fruit for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it. And God bless you.